0: There's been no economic subject more important than the global supply chain and the efforts to remedy impasses within it. One stock's benefited from that and from the business fundamentals as we see in earnings GXO has run since its spinoff. Let's bring in the chief investment officer. Joining us, Mark Manduka from GXO here after the first report as a standalone public company. Thanks for being here this morning, Mark. Thank you, Oliver. Okay, so what did you learn? And investors right now, stock down about a percent, but at the highest level it's traded since debuting below $50. So it's come a good distance here. Walk us through the basic fundamentals of how this company's operating this past quarter in a really interesting time for the supply chain.
1: Strong revenue growth, Oliver. Strong EBITDA growth. Strong free cash flow performance. This is a company that's really about delivering on the promises that we set out. We have three massive secular tailwinds in our back drawer, automation, e-commerce, and outsourcing. And it's our job to write great contracts with our amazing blue chip customers over the next 20 years to really fulfill on the promises that we've made to the investor community. We've got some phenomenal
0: growth ahead of us, Oliver. What kind of growth do you see as being an effect of this particular moment in time and what is secular and reliable and sustainable? We've talked about how we won
1: in the last year around 700 million dollars worth of revenue that will hit in 2022 that clearly gives us confidence in regards to our 8 to 12 percent organic revenue growth rate for next year we are assuming a bit of operational leverage within our ebitda forecast so some margin expansion as well but really this is a business that's focused on return on invested capital when we write contracts with our global blue chip customers we're looking to do two things we're looking to make sure that we're delighting them in the warehouse making sure that their pick rates and their efficiency is as good as it can be, turning good into great within the warehouse for our customers and making phenomenal returns on invested capital for our shareholders.
0: Right now, where do you see the most demand coming from? Particular types of businesses or uh, factories or uh, uh, logistical warehouses? Where is that big push this last three months? There's a few pushes. So you talked earlier in your program about supply chain shortages.
1: Well, clearly, as you say, that is a big thematic drive right now. And we're seeing two things. We're seeing a demand for direct to the consumer when the goods arrive at the port. What I mean by that is one simple word, e-commerce. And then on top of that, we're also having a desire for technology within our contracts. There isn't a single contract that we haven't written at the moment in the last quarter that doesn't have some element of automation attached to it within the warehouse. Mm. So those driving forces are causing significant revenue growth within our industry and they're trends that are here to stay. So e-commerce is really the guiding force. If you look at our pipeline right now, roughly about half of our pipeline has e-commerce in its attachment e-commerce was growing at 22 percent in our third quarter so very strong growth ahead
0: your ceo malcolm wilson yesterday has uh, said that uh, the snags are starting to ease is the way uh, Bloomberg news characterized uh, his language uh, mark as those snags ease does it lead to uh, more demand for gxos products and services or Uh, Is that then showing the resultant effect of those products and services? Some of these trends, if you look at just the
1: size of the market, the total addressable market, Oliver, you're looking at a market that is $430 billion in size. And within that, $300 billion is still yet to be outsourced to third-party logistics providers like GXO. This journey is really at the foothills. It's just beginning. We are creating a category here In terms of supply chain, there are pros and cons in the fact that we have to obviously make sure that we are completely on point about hiring the best labor in the market and working with our customers, remaining vigilant, remaining cautious to make sure we serve them to the best of their needs to get the inventory into the front of their store. But don't doubt the themes that I've talked about, automation, e-commerce and outsourcing are really just beginning. E-commerce is barely 20% penetrated. Outsourcing is barely 30% penetrated. And if you were to go to our overall industry and say how many warehouses are automated, it's only 5%, whereas we're 30. This journey is right at the beginning.
0: Now, does the journey move directly proportional to demand in the industry, market, or what does that look like? Because for some of the e-commerce players, the biggest, uh, even, Just with Amazon alone, we've seen that their rate of growth for top line sales has peaked on the e-commerce business. I mean, it's still huge, but we've seen the numbers in the earnings. But does that necessarily mean that the build out is done? It sounds like you're very clearly arguing that it's not done, the infrastructure build out around e-commerce, which would suggest it's separate from the growth rate of the end sales. We're creating a category here, Oliver. This is very different
1: to any other company in the large cap sphere in terms of the way that we write contracts, in some cases beyond 2030. This is a contractual business, not a transactional business. I'm writing contracts many, many years out. So the point that I would make to you is is that the the growth is there, the contracts that we can see have multi-year compounding factors attached to them. E-commerce is a trend that is very much here to stay. And within our minimum volume requirements and within the pass through within our cost base, we are protected to a certain degree on both the upside and the downside. We're not an operationally leveraged way of playing e-commerce. There is some operational leverage within our business model, but we have checks and balances, belt and braces within
0: our contracts that protect us on both the upside and the downside, so to speak. Uh, What do you mean by that, Mark? Can you give me some details on what that contract language is? Minimum volume requirements, labor inflation pass-through to make sure that Obviously,
1: that through a direct operating expense as a business, the customer ends up paying ultimately for the inflation in the vast majority of our contracts. And when it comes from, to the volume in our warehouses, we have minimum volume requirements in our closed book contracts that allow us to mitigate the downside risks if there was no volume to show up at all at the warehouse.
0: Okay. Mark, thanks for the details here and uh, uh, an exciting one to watch uh, in this period. So looking forward to more of these conversations around earnings. Thanks for joining. Thank you. All. Absolutely. Mark Manduke is the chief investment officer at GXO, with the stock still sitting near the highs.